Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Good afternoon, welcome to the 125th episode of the Alan Williams Podcast. Hope you're all doing well out there and I hope you're enjoying the pod. Sometimes you get messages actually or you get speaking to somebody and it makes everything worthwhile in relation to the amount of time and effort and energy that goes into the likes of the podcast. Spoke to a client this morning who's been with us for eight weeks and she said since she started work with me eight weeks ago, she has listened to every single episode of the podcast. That is 124 episodes in eight weeks. I am impressed. I am impressed. But you know what? They obviously aren't too bad if somebody has listened to 124 episodes in eight weeks. It gives me a little bit of confidence in what I'm doing. So nice to get feedback like that. I always appreciate the messages that come in on social media and that too. You don't get immediate feedback from the, from the podcast like you do with Facebook or you know social media, general Instagram, where it's just immediate people comment and people like and whatever. With the podcast, you're pretty much sitting in a studio on your own recording, speaking to yourself and you don't know how it's been received in the world so it's always good to get a little bit of feedback and to hear that somebody has listened to all of the episodes in eight weeks yeah that that makes me feel good (laughs) so I do appreciate that today's episode who taught you to think like that we're going to challenge some beliefs that we've got in place and we're going to challenge why we think the way we do and I think this is going to be an interesting episode for a lot of people because most people believe that events control who we are or control our lives or that our environment has shaped who we are And in reality, that's probably one of the biggest lies that we believe about ourselves and about who we are, because it's not the event that has made our lives. It's not the event that shape who we are. It's how we react to the events that shape our lives. And it's the beliefs we have around what those events actually mean. What those events mean are something that is very subjective to all of us because we give everything meaning. We as human beings are meaning attaching machines. It's what we do. We look at every little thing and we attach meaning to it. And sometimes it's the most innocuous thing in the world. And we'll find a way to attach a meaning. And maybe that's even based on how we're feeling at a particular moment. So we look at something that was said innocently, for example, and we'll read too much into it because maybe we're low on energy. Maybe our mood is low. Maybe we're feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves and we'll create something that wasn't even there. And that's on a small scale. But then we also do it on a larger scale with our lives in general as well. And a lot of the time, people are in what we call a fixed mindset. There's a great book, actually, anybody that's interested in reading. There's a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. I would absolutely recommend going reading that if you're interested in learning about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. A lot of people, probably most people, to be fair, are of a fixed mindset. They believe that things are the way they are. I have been formed because of all these circumstances around me. Nothing I can do about it. It's outside of my control and I'm the way I am and this is how I'm going to be forever. Whereas growth mindset people, they'll more look at controlling what they can control and they'll look at the possibilities moving forward and how they can actually affect that and how they can change things for themselves. So if you think about two people in very difficult circumstances, so maybe it's a similar situation or they're in the exact same situation, but it's really difficult circumstances. The responses and the experiences that those two people have can be totally different, even though the stressor that's on them is the same. So there's a great book called Man's Search for Meaning. I'm flat out here recommending books. I've mentioned Man's Search for Meaning several times on the podcast before. If you haven't read it, in my eyes, it's the greatest book ever written. I think it's absolutely incredible. So Man's Search for Meaning by a guy called Viktor Frankl. Definitely go and read it. Frankl was somebody who survived Auschwitz and survived the concentration camps. And I think his perspective on things is absolutely amazing because this is a perfect example of where you've got people who are in the most extreme circumstances, really, really, really difficult circumstances, but all of them are in the same situation or a very similar situation. And yet the responses and the experiences that those people had are all quite different. And then because of the responses that they had 
a lot of the time their outcomes are different as well. So Frankel was one who wrote a book about this and he wrote about, you know, the people that survived versus the ones that didn't and why they survived and the meaning that they gave to what was happening to them. And that was ultimately what dictated their outcomes in a lot of situations because a lot of people gave up. They, they decided that life wasn't worth living anymore and that they were never going to get through it and that their life was over anyway. So their will to live pretty much abandoned them. They just gave up because of the situation they were in. Whereas Frankel decided in his mind that he wasn't going to let them break him, that his spirit was never going to be broken. And he came back to the reasons he had to stay alive. And that was what really drove him through. And he was thinking about his family on the other side and his wife and kids that he had been separated from. And he knew that there was still life going on outside of the concentration camps. And he had this really, really, really strong will to actually see that again. And that was what kept him going. He had made a decision that he was going to endure whatever they could throw at him and he was going to handle it. And he was not going to be beaten. He was not going to be broken. And he almost taught his brain to switch off from what was happening to him at times. Just so that he could survive and he could get through. Whereas thousands of other people, they didn't have that and they gave up. Because they decided it was too much. And obviously we're talking about something completely extreme here, by the way. Completely extreme. But it just gives an illustration of, I suppose, the different responses to different situations and different circumstances. So a lot of the time we're going to have events in our lives that are difficult, that are uncomfortable, that we would obviously choose not to happen to us, that we would prefer if it didn't happen, obviously. But those things in and of itself, it's the meaning that we give to them that probably shapes how we think going forward. And it's the meaning that we give to events that'll mould who we are. It's not necessarily always the events itself. It's the meaning we give to those events. So there's another great story about two women who hit their 70s. And one of them knows, in inverted commas, that her life is coming to an end. And she feels thin because she's obviously had seven decades of life that her body is probably starting to break down and she needs to act accordingly and act her age, I guess, is probably what you'll hear a lot of people say. And she decides that she should do that because obviously she's coming towards the end of her life and her body's slowing down and it can't keep going as it was and she's not as young as she used to be. And therefore she starts acting accordingly. Now, there's another woman who is the same age. So these people both hit their 70s at the same time. And the second person decides that what a person is capable of at any age depends on their belief rather than their age. It depends on the belief. So she takes up mountain climbing and she does mountain climbing for the next 25 years. In her 90s, Hulda Crooks becomes the oldest person to ascend Mount Fuji in her 90s. So this is again showing you folks things happen in life milestones come up events happen maybe it's your age maybe it's whatever but you can always choose what those events mean and those two women chose different meanings for the stage of life that they were at one decided she's in her 70s she has to start slowing down because that's what you do at this age because she knows in inverted commas that that's what you should do the other one decides forget about that i'm going to take take up mountain climbing at 70 she literally only took up mountain climbing at 70 years of age and in her 90s she became the oldest person in the world to ascend that mountain. Like that will show you folks, it is the difference in response. It's the difference in attitude. Everything only has the meaning that we give to it. Events are only something that happen until we give it meaning. One I hear quite frequently as well, when I speak, speak to people that are maybe looking to come on board as a client, 
Very, very often I hear people who have nearly given up because maybe they're in their 30s or maybe they're hitting 40 or they're in their mid 40s. And they've given up because they see all around them that other people have given up. And like I've literally had people say to me that, you know, it's middle age spread and they see it like it's the most normal thing. Like it's just what happens and you have no control over it. Well, fuck that. That's that's my opinion. Like I, I say to them, you can do that if you want. I'm not going to. I have no intention of doing that. I'm going to control myself and not lean on age as a variable. Maybe it makes it a little bit harder. Doesn't make it impossible. Age is only a number. It's again, they're more than the two women who decided to go separate ways there. You can choose what that means for you. And I've seen this so much because I'm at that stage of life now where all my friends have got married in the last couple of years and whatnot. And I see people around me who have almost accepted that life has changed and they have to just go with what it is. And because they're married, you know what, I'm just going to take it easy now. And they're piling on weight and they're getting out of shape and they're starting to feel crap about it, but they're doing nothing because they think that's just what happens when you get married. <laughs> no, I'm not shitting a marriage here. I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure it's amazing. But I have seen a lot of that, folks, where people kind of get to, you know, maybe mid 30s and they're nearly thinking it's game over for me. I'm going like, you're a third of the way through your life. What are you doing? So always, always, always come back to those beliefs because you're taking on beliefs that maybe have been handed to you by society. And that's where the age one comes in. You're talking about people in their mid-30s giving up on their body shape because they've got married and they think I can let myself go now or it doesn't really matter or whatever until a few years later when their health is suffering. Likewise, you've got the two women who are hitting 70. One chooses I'm going to give up because my life is coming to an end. Another one starts mountain climbing and in her 90s she's climbed, she's the oldest woman to climb Mount Fuji. Like it really comes back to your beliefs and what you believe is possible rather than just being told a story and going with it because society says you're 70 you should start slowing down i can tell you now guys i have absolutely no intention of slowing down one actually thing that, that springs to mind as i'm speaking and i heard somebody else within the industry say this as well i can't even remember who it was but i thought it was amazing he said my goal is not necessarily to be in amazing shape and look aesthetically fantastic my goal is to avoid the nursing home and i said i absolutely love that that was my thinking i love that that you're fit and you're healthy and you're in, you know, a mobile state and you're giving yourself the best chance of living the best quality life that you can for as long as you can. Not giving in to society and going, well, you know what, I'm hitting 50, so I can't lift weights because people my age don't do that. That's the most time you need it. That's when your body needs to be strengthened so that you can live a long, happy life. But not just that, that you have a long, happy quality of life. Quality of life. Avoiding the nursing home is my long-term goal. That's the long-term one. So again, folks, everything comes back to the meaning that you give it. Not necessarily the event, but what you choose that that event means. I hope that makes some sense to you. And even in relation to what we spoke earlier about, you know, um, man search for meaning and the being in Auschwitz and facing difficult situations and whatnot. What that guy came up with, one of his main conclusions was that the power of the human spirit can overcome virtually any level of pain. The power of human spirit can overcome virtually any level of pain. Another good example on this. I went to the Pendulum Summit in Dublin a few years ago. It, was, it hasn't been on for the last few years because of COVID. I think it was actually on this year. It was on about two weeks ago. Um, so I didn't make it. But I was there a few years ago. And there was a guy who was headlining the second day. And his name was Nick Wojcic. I don't know if any of you guys have come across Nick Wojcic before. Nick Wojcic has no limbs. He was born with a medical condition. So he has no arms and he has no legs. He has... 
obviously had a tough, tough time when he was younger. He went through a lot of bullying. He contemplated suicide at one point. He thought life had nothing in store for him. He couldn't possibly see how he could ever make anything of himself. Um, yeah, really, really difficult circumstances. And even at that, you know, he credits his parents now with a lot of the upbringing he had for getting him out of that victim mentality and, and making him make something of himself because they used to challenge him. So, for example, they'd pay him to do the hoover. And he was going, well, how can I hoover? I have no arms, I have no legs. He figured out pretty quickly that he could hold the hoover with his chin. You get clever, you get, when you start looking for ways to do things, when it matters to you, you find a way. And then he would have, you know, the, he was saying about there was a book on a shelf and he asked his mother to take it down. She said, no, get it yourself. And he couldn't possibly see, how can I get that book off the shelf? And he started figuring out ways to stock, stack one thing on top of the other and he started jumping at it and knocked it down. And you start getting creative when you got to find a way rather than a belief system that that book is high up on the shelf and I can never reach it because I haven't the same abilities that other people have. But you adapt, you find a way. This is the thing about your circumstances. You can look at them in that light that everything is impossible because maybe that's what society has you believe or you can go, how do I find a way around it? Nick Wojcic is an incredible person. He's a fantastic example of this. Even when he was younger and instead he had no limbs, one of the things that was in his head was, nobody will ever find me attractive. I'm going to be on my own all my life. The man is now married with kids. He is one of the best motivational speakers in the world. He's a multimillionaire. He has done the most incredible things despite his circumstances. So why did he do the most incredible things despite his circumstances? While some of us sit here with kind of relatively okay circumstances, to be fair, and we're still wallowing and we're feeling like, Jesus, I'm, I can't do anything and I'm not capable of doing it. And there's a guy who was in much, much more difficult circumstances but he made it happen. He made it happen. Why? Because he didn't buy into the belief that this is it, I'm done. He changed his belief system. For a while, he certainly did have that belief. And that was what led him to contemplating suicide. After that, he changed his beliefs, changed his belief systems. And he built an incredible life and an incredible career for himself. Again, choosing the response to the event. What does that event mean? What's your belief around the event, not the event itself? What meaning have you given to it? That's the biggest lesson here. Oh, I need to breathe. I need to breathe. I feel like I've been on my soapbox there for the last 10 minutes. Um, but look, guys, the, the biggest lesson I can give you here is around generalizations, I suppose. I think a lot of us, we generalize and there's good and bad sides to that because with generalizations, it helps us in some ways. So, for example, if you see a door handle, you can pretty much generalize that if I turn the hand or turn the knob or push the handle down or whatever, the door will open. You can generalize that. And that's a fairly accurate generalization. So that'll help you get through life because that's something you don't really want to be spending a lot of time thinking about. You know, if I push the handle, the door opens. That's a generalization that works quite well. That's a generalization that serves you. But the problem with generalizations is that as we go into some of the bigger area of our lives, those generalizations can oversimplify things and can create limiting beliefs. So they can oversimplify and they can create limiting beliefs. So maybe if you failed at something before and then you've developed a belief that you're inadequate or that you're incapable or you're incompetent or you can't do that thing, that's when generalizations become a problem. Just because you failed once, you tell yourself this story, I'm not good at that, I can't do that. I don't have the capability to do that. Other people can do it, but I can't. 
that is a self-limiting belief. So what we're actually doing there is we're generating the situation where what we're telling ourselves becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're telling ourselves we can't do it and therefore we can't do it further down the road. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. It's all about the stories you're feeding that brain. Always. The messages you're feeding the brain are what it's going to respond to. If you're telling yourself the story that you can't do it, you won't do it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I have a good example of this in my own life. My marathon. So I ran a marathon in 2017. One of the main reasons I ran a marathon was because I recognised that I had this ridiculous limit and belief going on in my head. I was telling myself that I wasn't a runner. It was a story. I'm not a runner. If you use the words I am, those are the most powerful words in the world because what you follow them up with will make or break you. And I used to tell myself, I am not a runner. That was the end of that sentence. I am not a runner. And because I told myself I wasn't a runner, I started to believe that I wasn't a runner. I started to believe that I was no good at running. I started to believe that I probably couldn't run. And I was working in the fitness industry at the time. And very regularly, I'd have people saying, we're doing this 5k at the weekend, or we're doing this 10k at the weekend, will you come and do it? And I'd always, always, always come back with the line, oh no, I'm not a runner. And that was my go-to. And I don't know why I even did that. To be honest, I think it was probably a little bit of self-consciousness, because I was in the fitness industry, but I probably wasn't in the shape I wanted to be in, that I was new enough to the fitness industry for, well, certainly when I was younger at that, well, yeah, long before the marathon anyway, I was new enough to the fitness industry, probably wasn't in the shape I wanted to be in. I was still learning. I didn't have the level of confidence in what I was doing that I do now. And I suppose I felt like I didn't want to be going to a 5K or a 10K and be the fitness instructor that was letting himself down. You know, it's always that little bit of imposter syndrome, I guess. And you'd be worrying about what if people see my time and it's no good. And that's pretty much where I would tell myself then, okay, I'm just not going to go. And I started telling myself this story that I'm not a runner. And that became a comfort blanket for me, I suppose. Because it's easier to do that than actually go and, I suppose, perceive that you've let yourself down. So I just started saying, no, I'm not a runner. You know, I do the gym, I do football, whatever, but I'm not a runner. And at some point, I decided I have to start challenging this because it's just stupid. That was where I went with it. I said, I have to challenge it. And that was why I went and entered a marathon. And like most normal people would probably enter a 10k, I entered a marathon just to prove to myself that I could do it. It was the mental challenge as well. But it was to get rid of that story as well that was in my head about why I can't do it and why I'm not a runner and so on and so forth. It was to challenge that. And once I finished the marathon, that belief system had totally changed because you've proven to yourself that you can do it. You've crossed that line. You've shown that you're you're completely capable of it. So you've got rid of that belief, but you have to challenge the belief because if you don't challenge it, you're never going to change it. You're going to keep running with it probably for the rest of your life. And the problem with self-limiting beliefs is that they become limitations for future decisions about who you are or what you're capable of. Because you look at something you've maybe tried once in the past and maybe it hasn't gone that well and now you tell yourself, I can't do that thing, I tried it, I'm no good at it. Well, guess what, guys? None of us are any good the first time we try things. A child walking doesn't nail it straight off on the first attempt. You've got to persevere sometimes. You've got to try things out. So if there's something in your mind as you're listening to this, where you're going, I do that. I tell myself this limiting story. And maybe I've tried it once and I've told myself I'm not good at it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you today. Go and try that thing again. Change the belief system around it. Do it until you get good at it. That's the only way you will change it. So the challenge really is threefold. <laughs> I'm kind of laughing to myself here saying that because something's popped into my head. Does anybody watch Friends? You've probably seen Chandler Bing in the box where he says um, he's in it because the reasons are, was it fivefold? <laughs> that was what popped into my head there. I'm getting sidetracked. Dreadful podcast in here, but that's what popped into my head. Um, so the challenge is threefold. And that is 
most of us do not consciously decide what we're going to believe. That's the first one. The second one is, often our beliefs are based on misinterpretation of events. And the third one is, often we adapt a belief that we forget it's merely an interpretation. That's all it is. It's merely an interpretation. It's how we've interpreted it. So you can nearly go back to any event in your life and you can give it a different meaning if you want to. So at a lot of a lot of the time, we've misinterpreted what's happened. You know, and I see this quite regularly. And this even now is for me, when I work with clients or even in general, to be honest, I always seek as much clarification as I can because I think assumptions are the quickest way to misinterpret things. You assume things, you give it meaning, and a lot of the time it's way off. And one of the biggest lessons I've had since working with clients in the fitness industry is always, always, always get clarification. Never assume you know. Because often you think you know what they're suffering with or what they're struggling with or what's going on for them. And it might be the case in 99% of cases. But there'll be that 1% where it's something else. Okay? So everything that we, I guess we believe, is down to these three things we speak about. So the challenges are threefold. The first one is that most of us do not consciously decide what we're going to believe. So it's either subconscious or it's a belief that's been given to us by our parents, by our peers, by media, by social media. We don't consciously decide what we're going to believe. And that's a big problem. The second one is often our beliefs are based on a misinterpretation of events. So something has happened. We gave it meaning, but maybe we actually misinterpreted. The third one is once we adapt a belief, we forget it's merely an interpretation. And we could be wrong. And we all need to be open to the fact that we could be wrong. We've merely misinterpreted interpreted it in a certain way. Somebody else might have interpreted it differently. We could be wrong. And we have to always be open to the fact that we could be wrong. And within the fitness industry, there was one, probably, it's a long time ago at this stage, but if you think back to when you were growing up and you've seen the food pyramid, at the bottom of the food pyramid, it was like six portions of carbohydrates a day. And that was what was being taught for years and years and years. So people coming into the fitness industry at that time were given this belief that this is what's right. And because they were given the belief, they took it on and they didn't question it. They went with it and that's what they were going to teach into the world. And more and more people were becoming overweight and unhealthy. And we're wondering what's going on because we're following this advice that's been given out by health boards and God knows what. And then eventually, it's not even that long ago, literally just a few years ago, the food pyramid was changed to massively reduce those carbohydrates that were, you know, it was like six a day, which again, if you're running a marathon, you might get away with that. If you're an average Joe Soap trying to lose a few pounds, good luck, <laughs> good luck. So this, I suppose, comes back to what I'm saying. We have to be open to the fact that we could be wrong, that things might have been misinterpreted. And then we have to be big enough at times to hold our hands up and say, okay, maybe I got that wrong. Okay. But we rarely question long-held beliefs. And that's often where the biggest problem is for a lot of people because anybody that has been in therapy, for example, you'll find that a lot of the stuff you're struggling with now goes back to childhood. And very often it's long-held beliefs that we will not question because it has become something that we've heard for so long or that we've told ourselves for so long that we're actually afraid to question it. And, and it's not even that. It's like it's nearly kind of holy territory that you just wouldn't question it. And those long-held beliefs are often the ones that are holding us back. And all of our actions are a result of our beliefs. All of our actions are a result of our beliefs. So we'll take action depending on whether we believe something is going to move us towards pleasure or move us towards pain, move us away from pain. 
that'll drive. So everything we do is driven by pain or pleasure, but it's our beliefs around the pain or pleasure. So if we believe something is going to bring us pleasure, we'll move towards it. If we believe something is going to bring us pain, we'll move away from it. But this is where beliefs come in, because if you think about training, for example, maybe your belief system for the last 30 years has been training equals pain. Training equals discomfort. Training equals extreme things that make me feel horrible and hungry and low on motivation and low on energy and hate in life. So your belief is that that thing brings pain, so therefore I'll move away from it. And maybe that's a limiting belief that has held you back for so long until you get to the point that you're so out of shape, you're so unhappy, you're so low in energy, you feel absolutely crap, your confidence is gone. And then you realise, okay, if I start to change things, maybe it's going to move me towards pleasure. So the belief system changes. You stop associating training with that pain and you actually start associating it with pleasure because you're starting to see the benefits that are on the other side of it. But sometimes you nearly have to hit the tipping point before you get there. So really and truly, beliefs have the power to create and the power to destroy. They can either lift us up or they can tear us down. It's all about our beliefs. They have the power to create, they have the power to destroy. But you get to choose your beliefs, and that's what a lot of people don't actually realise. You get to choose your beliefs. If you think about somebody who's trying to impact the world, somebody who's trying to, you know, even myself, I'm trying to educate people, I'm trying to work with clients to improve the quality of their life. I have gone out believing that I can impact many, many lives and I can make an impact in the world. But you do not 99% of the time grow up with that belief because you're given the beliefs the same as everybody else. Like, well, who do you think you are to do that? Nobody does that. Like, you have to be Superman to do that. We don't do that around here. Like, we'll just get a nine to five job and we'll mind our own business and we'll do our little thing because we're not capable of doing anymore. So we'll just play small. That's the belief most of us have grown up with. That's the belief I had probably for a very, very long time. You might see me now trying to impact the world, trying to help people. You might think that comes naturally to him. He was born with that. No, was I hell born with that? Nobody's born with that. Well, very few people are born with that. I won't say nobody. Very few people are born with that. That is a belief you choose to take on as you go. When you start to change the way you think, when you start to question things, when you start to say, why should I play small? Why should I go along with what society says I should do? I look at the school curriculum and I I don't like what I see now because it's not designed to encourage people to spread their wings. It's not designed for people to grow a business, to build their own business. It's designed to get you through a system that gets you a nine to five job and work for the man and do your thing. And I would very much feel a resistance towards that now because I've I've questioned everything myself. I said, why can't I do my own thing? Why can't I grow my own business? Why can't I impact hundreds of people? Why can't I help them change their life? But that's a belief that I took on along the way and only by questioning things. So exactly as I said before, beliefs have the power to create or they have the power to destroy. I've taken on this belief that I can go out and I can impact the world and I can help people, that I can create something amazing in the world, that I can help people change the quality of their life. It didn't happen by, you know, it didn't happen automatically. It happened by choice. You have to start to believe this thing. I, I've done so much work on my mindset. I've done so much personal development. I've done so much mindset work. I've done so much work on myself. That is what's led me to be able to make those choices, to make those choices around my beliefs. Rather than following society and going with what the media dictates. I think media is dangerous at the minute, folks, to be honest. It's, it's very, very much highly censored. 
and I feel like so many people are just following everything they see and feeling like they should fit in, I would encourage you to think for yourself and to question things yourself and to choose your own beliefs and choose what you want from your life. Why mould yourself to fit in? You weren't born to fit in. You were born to be extraordinary. Do your own thing. And a lot of it will come back to the beliefs and what you choose to believe believe around events. Coming right back to where we started. It's not about the event. It's not the event that shaped your life. It's your belief to what those events mean. I hope you've enjoyed that today, folks. I hope some of it has landed. I'm going to go and get a gym session in now while I'm on a little bit of a roll and the energy's up and I'm feeling good. So, um, yeah, have a good one and I'll speak to you soon.